My name is Tamar Garb, and I'm the director of UCL's Institute of Advanced Studies. Welcome to our podcast series, in which we invite academics and commentators from the arts, humanities, and social sciences to reflect upon life in the time of coronavirus. Over the next weeks and months, we'll be posting a wide range of views and perspectives, each of which will raise questions around the language, structures of thought, representational conventions, technologies, forms of behaviour, social structures, power relations and historical precedents that our current situation suggests. Our disciplines have never been more crucial. While we look to science for vital discoveries and cures to prevent illness and heal us, and to technologies for ways of coping and managing its effects, it's to disciplines like philosophy, literature, art, geography, history and anthropology that we turn to understand the virus's human impact, its temporal and spatial dimensions, its relation to precedents and precursors, as well as its fallout and implications for imagined futures. As the South African author J.M. Kutsia wrote, the plague is simply a heightened state of the condition of being mortal. As we face life and death from lockdown, saturated by screen time, narrative overload and frightening statistics, perhaps some of these talk pieces will help us to reflect upon what it is to live in and through this moment. Hi everyone, I hope you're all well. I'm Megan Vaughan. I study the social and historical aspects of health in Africa, including the impact of colonial systems, but also contemporary issues around changing epidemiologies, health systems, food and nutrition. I'm writing a book around questions of metabolism in Africa. I'm going to riff a bit today on the phrase underlying conditions. What is your underlying condition? Maybe you're feeling a bit anxious in these current circumstances. Or maybe you feel that basically you're okay, that your underlying condition is really fine and you'll get through this. What are our collective underlying conditions? One of my underlying conditions is a damage to my larynx caused by a past TB infection, which is why you won't be hearing my voice today. My colleague and friend Amadi Graft Aikens has kindly agreed to read this. We've all become used to hearing this phrase underlying conditions in the context of COVID-19. Our unfortunate news readers have to keep repeating it in the daily litany of statistics and particularly the grim daily toll of COVID-19 deaths. We're told that in the vast majority of cases where an individual does badly with this infection, that they suffered from one or more underlying conditions, by which is usually meant cardiovascular disease, diabetes, hypertension, cancer, asthma, what are often and misleadingly called non-communicable diseases. And when we're told that they didn't have any of these, there is, I think, an extra palpable sense of shock and horror. While we're told that the vast majority of deaths occur in those with underlying conditions, we're also constantly told, and for good reason, by public health officials, that the virus does not discriminate. A reminder that none of us, 
until very recently, that is, had any immunity to this new infection. And no one should imagine that they'll necessarily escape it. In one sense, of course, that's true. Indeed, there's an interesting ontological question raised by viruses. Whether a virus can be classified as a living entity at all, they lie in a kind of grey area between the living and the non-living, entirely dependent and parasitic on host organisms for their reproduction. But as we're seeing all too clearly, whether truly living or not, they can certainly have a profound impact on those of us considered to be living beings. But when we put this virus together with underlying conditions, it's pretty clear that even if the virus itself is not discriminating, it's certainly making the most of the inequalities, the socio-political and economic conditions and discriminatory systems that make some of us a lot more vulnerable to severe illness and death than others. As a number of scholars in my field have already powerfully argued, COVID-19 is riding on our existing underlying condition of extreme inequality. Let's look at the figures from the US. The Center for Disease Control tells us that 73% of Americans hospitalized for COVID-19 had at least one underlying condition. To some extent, these underlying conditions are a function of an aging society. The longer we all live, the more likely we are to get one. Not many of us will get to be 80 without one. But though age is important, it's not the only factor. In many low- and middle-income countries, for example, where these underlying conditions are themselves ripping through communities like an epidemic, they're also affecting people in younger age groups. Age is not the only factor. These underlying conditions used to be called the diseases of civilization and then morphed more recently into diseases of lifestyle because of their association with conditions of modern life. Physical inactivity, overeating the wrong foods, a kind of punishment for overindulgence. This is a very misleading characterization. Increasingly, these are conditions associated with poverty, whether in communities of the global south or in our own cities in the global north. In the US, Anthony Ryan Hatch and his colleagues have powerfully argued that type 2 diabetes is a condition profoundly influenced by racism and the history of slavery. While black bodies once provided the fuel and energy to feed the sugar mills, now black people's bodies are the dumping ground for excess sugar. To be poor often means having no choice but to eat a diet of highly processed, industrially produced food laden with sugar, salt and chemicals. And to live in a polluted environment, inhaling polluted air. If COVID-19 has brought a welcome and rather remarkable reduction in air pollution globally and emptied our skies temporarily of planes, we have to remember that it's also a virus that likes to attack our chronically obstructed and asthmatic lungs, damaged by the same polluted air. Some time ago, Merrill Singer and his colleagues came up with a theory of syndemics to describe the complex synergistic relationship between those so-called non-communicable diseases of modernity, read underlying conditions, 
and infection, psychological states, social conditions, and poverty. In South Africa, for example, Emily Medenhall has argued that you can't understand one condition on its own. The alarming rates of type 2 diabetes in poor urban communities are associated not only with sugar-laden diets, but also with childhood malnutrition, with HIV infection, and with the stress of living in precarious and often violent households. Stress is an underlying condition with measurable physical as well as psychological dimensions. Around the world, people with lower incomes are more likely to experience type 2 diabetes and more likely to suffer from multimorbidities. For example, diabetes, heart disease and anxiety depression at the same time. This in turn weakens their ability to respond to infections. To this, of course, add economic precarity, the need to work through the pandemic. As anthropologist Vincan Adams and geographer Claire Herrick have clearly argued, COVID-19 might be an exceptional event, but it magnifies existing vulnerabilities and inequalities. While a massive pandemic like this radically interrupts our sense of time, it also layers itself on top of existing histories of inequality and discrimination. Though an epidemic is a profoundly social phenomenon, we're not all in it together. At least we can't be, given the nature of our current collective and lion condition. For those of you who'd like to read more on this and related issues, I recommend the online journal Somatosphere. Thanks for listening. Our thanks also to Megan Vaughan and Ama de Graaf Takins and to the communications team at UCO. This podcast was produced by Catherine Stokes and me, Albert Brinchat Aguilar. Music is by Best Feelings. Communications are by Patricia Mascaray Lombard. Executive producer is Tamar Garb. For more podcasts and think pieces from the IES, Jazz, Google, Institute of Advanced Studies, Talk Pieces, and hit our website. Lots of interdisciplinary pieces from scholars, artists, and writers working in and across a wide range of fields are coming up in the next weeks. You can send us your feedback at Institute of Advanced Studies at ucl.ac.uk. Look after yourselves and others and see you soon.